the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day and welcome in. New Focus on Wealth. A show dedicated to teaching you some concept ideas about what works on Wall Street and why. When I was a young man, I saw my dad basically work his whole life. I didn't like the idea. He never really got to enjoy his daughter. He had five boys. Then late in life, he had a daughter. But by the time she was 16, he had already had a heart attack when she was 12, and he was dead of cancer by the time she was 16. I didn't want to be that. Let me give you some more concepts and ideas about my father. My father was a self-made man. He was an orphan. Joined the United States Army out of college in large part to better himself. And he did it. I remember watching him rise up the ranks. Odd little bit of history. My father was a businessman for the United States Army. He made a big relationship with none other than Ross Perot to bring computers into the United States uh, Army. Which again tells you how far we've come, right? Um, this was when I was a child. I, I hung out and watched this happen. My dad, at his peak earning years, I believe, made about sixty-five thousand dollars. He went into the private sector. He might have made seventy thousand, not much more. When he retired from the United States military, he didn't retire as much as he got kicked out. Why did he get kicked out? He basically aged out. Had he made general, he could have stayed in a few more years, but he never made general because he wasn't very politically correct. So my father, at one point in time, I saw $60,000 a year as that's probably the most I'll ever make. That was the baseline in my head, give or take with inflation. Um, I was thinking probably start my career at 20000 Maybe I'll get to 30000 before I'm 30. $40,000 a year in my 30s. Maybe 50000 in my 40s and 50s. You see where I'm going out with that, right? Only half of millennials earn more than their parents at the same age as of now. The share of children earning more than their parents has reached its lowest point on record. Hmm. And it's not a good trend, all things considered. Um, I throw that down there in large part because when you were a child, I remember my father bought a car on a three-year loan. And I believe it was $12,000, the first car that I remember him buying. Um, and now, good luck finding a $12,000 vehicle. Um, I had a $60,000 vehicle stolen from my driveway um, after, for lack of a better phrase, a gang of kids or a gang of young people. How do we know it's a gang? Because everyone has surveillance on their homes, but the surveillance doesn't call the police, so it doesn't really do much, does it? 
And they just went down the street at 2.30 in the morning opening doors and finding out if they could, you know, uh, maybe they've stolen a key before, finding out if the key, the car's still there, take the car, kind of, you get the idea. They kind of ransacked 30 or 40 houses all at once of cars in the driveway. More cars are in the driveway now, in large part, more people are working from home. On that car, I'm standing to lose probably ten dollars to $15,000 in depreciation because it will get replaced because it is insured. But cars aren't great investments. They lose a, uh, I almost said a dirty word. I almost had to bleep myself. They lose a ton of value in the first two or three years after you drive it off the lot. This was not a 10-year-old car. This was a car that was meant to protect my children. Uh, but that's a big financial hit. So this is a show dedicated to some concepts for you. What did I throw down there? Plenty, right? Um, so my dad worked till the day he died. That's not the goal. Retirement's the goal. Enjoy your grandchildren or your children is the goal. I, I, I can't say it any better than that. Or maybe I can. Um, what else is the goal? Let's think here for a second. Make more than your parents so you can afford things that have inflated more than your parents. My brother David just bought a beach house in North Carolina as his retirement home. He's eight years older than me. He calls it his forever home. And I instant messaged him and I said, how much was that out of curiosity? He bought it in North Carolina on the beach and it's shockingly cheap. I can't even buy a one bedroom apartment for that in California where I want to live. If I wanted to live in Bakersfield, I could do it, but not in the Bay Area or Santa Barbara, of which I saw home prices in Santa Barbara. They're up about 80% year over year due to COVID. That's insane. I, I hope that was a typo, but the average home now is selling for over $3 million. Wow. Santa Barbara is lovely. For the record, as a child, I watched Santa Barbara as uh, an after-school treat. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down here, but uh, you get home from school, you turn on a soap opera. There's a lot of kissing, a lot of making out. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of bikinis and Santa Barbara. I always wanted to live in Santa Barbara, but I think I'm being priced out just in common sense, right? Um, so I, I'm throwing down a lot of concepts, earning more than your parents, having a goal for retirement, inflation, having things stolen from you that cost a big chunk of change. I don't get depressed um, on it, but it, it can be discouraging. I, I, I certainly understand that. It's good to have a plan. One of the things I want to talk about right now is I'm getting ready to deploy some more money in stocks. And one of the areas that I've made a good deal of wealth in in my lifetime, speaking on new focus on wealth, are big tech giants. Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, I think they kind of are enemy number one and enemy number two of the people, um, at least in PR stories, at least in they're so rich, let's hate them. I can't even fathom how rich they are. It's like winning the, the Powerball lottery, you know, 30 days in a row. Um, and that's not even close to their wealth, right? Um, so you get, you get where I'm going at with this, right? So Mark Zuckerberg told interviewers in a recent interview that people and institutions who are losing control in the world blame Facebook for the changes they're seeing. 
Jeff Bezos countered critics of Amazon by doing back of the envelope math to calculate his company's value to shoppers, employees, and businesses. I can make the their good guys case and I can make their bad guys case. If people don't appreciate your company's contributions world, they're wrong. Or is that just me trying to put someone in a box versus leaving social commentary open to explore? It's been more than a decade since tech industry has emerged from the financial crisis. We had a big old whopper of a financial crisis brought about in large part by Congress telling lenders and financial institutions, you should give loans to everyone. Everyone should have the American dream. Rob's owned his home for five years. He's doubled his money. Everyone should have that. And the truth is they shouldn't. Unless you have the wherewithal to withstand a stolen car. Unless you have the wherewithal to withstand a job loss. I get it. But the financial companies have come out more and more powerful. And I think that's what people are, are most angry about. It's not the wealth of Bezos and Zuckerberg. It's how much power they have. Why is Apple the decider of, of privacy? Are Amazon and gig economy companies remaking the nature of work in the U.S. economy? Is it right the way they're doing it? Is it fair that Google, Facebook, and Twitter are the de facto state departments with the authority to decide whether to follow repressive speech laws or fight them? I'm not a hater. I'm more of a player of the system. I don't get caught up in the social twists and turns. I just want to make more money than my dad did, in large part to live a better life than he did, so that I could see my grandchildren one day. I'm Rob Black, talking about new focus on wealth. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Talking about all things financial. Getting into retirement is the goal of the show. I can't say that I'm always going to be able to pull that off, but let me give you an idea. Earlier in the show, I was talking about Amazon and how we look at Jeff Bezos and we, we don't like him. Sometimes I joke on the air that I bet he's building a Death Star behind the moon. He wants to get into space. Um, Elon Musk wants to get into space. and For some reason, we're not as mad at Elon Musk because he's probably made some connotations towards marijuana that we're like, oh, he's just a normal genius billionaire. Whereas we look at Jeff Bezos and we're like, oh, man, I bet he's, I bet he's just a pity pitcher. I get it. Power corrupts. We look at people with power and we assume Jeff Bezos shared a note. He is retired as the CEO of Amazon. They now have a new CEO. And for 20 years, he wrote letters to shareholders in the annual report. It's one of the things you really should get a copy of, if you ever get a chance, of your favorite companies. Tesla's annual report is filled with nuggets that you'll go, oh, I didn't know that. And some of it's in the legal lease, so you may not like it. You may like it may say something like, Tesla could 
possibly hit a negative scenario if or if not they are able to or not able to secure funding for a new battery technology that's designed to get a million mile battery. You're like, oh, what did I just read? They're working on a million mile battery. And then it talks about litigation of you know the autonomous driving situations. When will it be ready? When will it not? Their CEO, is he pumping and dumping uh, Dogecoin? Annual letters are worth the read. So Jeff Bezos recently did his last annual letter. And it's interesting, I've read all of them. In the first annual letter, he said, if you want to be a shareholder of Amazon, we're going to lose money for years and years and years and years and years. We're going to build something big. It's really quite interesting to look back on it. But he also just recently shared a note from a couple that bought two shares of Amazon in 1997 and are now using the proceeds to buy a house after the company's 172,499% post-IPO run. Can you imagine that? The thing that's hard for me to fathom is that a couple bought two shares. I get that you could buy a house with two shares. I get it. I'm cool with that. Because they've split so many times, right? What, what's unfathomable for me is that they held on to one stock for that long. That's impressive. That's some fortitude. That's a, a, a stick-to-itiveness. I have a very good friend who I've kind of ended the relationship with because I just see him constantly doing stuff that's hurtful to himself, and I don't want to be a part of it. I've tried to intervene, and it, and it doesn't stick. He's raising an a-hole of a kid, um, doting on him. And it's none of my business, but I don't want to be part of it. But one of the things he's also done is, like, he goes through these, like, not get-rich-quick schemes, but he's never really stuck with anything. He's never really put those 12,000 miles, 12,000 hours in. I once had to speak after Michael Phelps' mom at an investor conference. And, you know, she said, my son has a heart of a champion. I'm like, no, you threw your kid in the pool for 12,000 hours. While his body was forming, it, 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 it malformed it into a, a, a dolphin. He's got flippers for feet. So I have a friend who's never, ever stuck to anything. And oddly enough, he had Amazon 15 years ago when I told him to buy it. He had Apple 15 years ago when I told him to buy it. When he moved to the Bay Area 15 years ago, I, I sat down with him. I said, here's the stocks to buy and hold forever. Don't ever sell them. And he would have done very, very well. And a lot of the decisions he's making now of do I sell a house? Do I turn it into a rental? Do I do this? Do I do that? He wouldn't have had to make any of that. So in 1997, a couple bought two shares of a new book selling company for their 12-year-old son. For the years following the purchase, the son wanted to cash in the stock. But the parents said, nope, hold. 24 years later, that online book retailer has become one of the largest corporations in the world, and the family has seen a likely six-digit return on their investment. The couple told their story to Jeff Bezos recently as the founder was sitting down to write his final letter to shareholders. Bezos' letter, he included a copy of the letter from the couple, Mary and Larry, whose surnames were blocked out for privacy. It blurred out the exact date Mary and Larry bought the shares, but detailed how they bought two shares in 1997, because that's all they could afford at the time. Stock split three times in the next two years, leaving the family with 24 shares. The split-adjusted percentage increase from the close on Amazon's IPO day to Thursday's close 
172,449%. Can you imagine getting that return? I can. Can I imagine holding on to two shares and watch it go up 172,000 not cashing in? I can't. I've owned Apple for over 20 years and I've maybe sold off five or 7% of it. Very small amount. I'm not 100% sure that five to 7% is the right number. And I'm telling you that for not legal reasons, but to like kind of couch it in, I think that's the ballpark. I'm trying not to exaggerate. I've created a ton of wealth by buying and holding stocks. The most wealth I've ever created in my life is by buying and holding things, not by flipping them. I've never met someone who flipped houses who was worth a million dollars. I've met people who wanted to flip houses. And if there's one thing I could do, to, if you want to piss me off right now, let's start talking about flip my house, Tariq Masuka. And if you want to piss me off, let's start talking about people who promise get rich quick schemes. And it could be Tony Robbins. It could be Robert Kiyosaki. It could be the TLC, the learning channels, flip my house. Because I know how those shows work. I've worked at television. They're made up scenarios. The drama is brought to you by the producers. Um, the producers sit and plot. How can we get something interesting out of these people? Oftentimes making with the same scene reshot three or four times. Um, I have a friend who is a producer of reality TV shows and he was on one as um, him and his partner, one as a producer, one was the, the talent, so to speak. And his skill is making balloon art. <laughs> You're saying like cloud? Yes. So there was a show on TLC many, 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 many years ago called The Unpoppables. And The Unpoppables was about three or four balloon artists who would go to like children's hospitals and make, you know, just these incredible sculptures out of balloons. But they cast people one with a drug problem, one who was like a, a sex addict. They knew they could create <laughs> drama just from that two instances. Anyhow, and anyway, um, one of the best things you could do is buy and hold stuff. Don't think you're gonna get rich flipping houses. I've never met someone who's flipped stocks. I've never met anyone who's flipped houses who is worth more money than me. Um, is the concept beautiful? It's beautiful. Does it work? It doesn't. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. First segment, I talked about how it's easy to hate Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. Second segment, I talk about how Jeff Bezos, by buying two shares of his company, created an enormous amount of wealth for a family that ultimately turned it into a house. Two shares. And 20 years. I, I would refer to that as the American dream. I know in the last 20 years, they probably looked around and said, you know what? We could uh, go buy a car. We can go on vacation. We can get new clothes. Let's bring the cash register. 
Now, I, I don't know if this couple has any money for retirement. I don't know anything. But I think that shows you the power of, of power and of a good idea. Amazon's most senior executives are leaving in droves right now, citing stalling growth, higher pay elsewhere, and a tough culture, setting the stage for Andy Jacey and his first major challenge as CEO. So now when you start thinking about Amazon, you're not going to be thinking Jeff Bezos as CEO. You're thinking about Andy Jacey. What's interesting is, can we go back to another mega powerful company that everyone hated the CEO not that long ago? First girl I dated in uh, California, she had a license plate that said MSFTSUX. Microsoft sucks. She worked at Yahoo and she didn't like what she was seeing out of Microsoft with Netscape Navigator and how they were just copying the browsers and stuff. And I think there was in, in the Bay Area 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there was a, an incredible amount of hate for Bill Gates. And now he's kind of like, oh, he wants to cut greenhouse emissions and he wants to give cows to poor people in Africa. And at one point in time, when he, he retired as CEO of Microsoft and Steve Ballmer came in, Ballmer, I so want to do an R-rated version of the show. I'm getting ready to launch a podcast this year. And one of my concepts is drink beer, get a good buzz going, and really talk dirty about the stock market. Because Steve Ballmer messed up. Think of a word that would, it would be a dirty word that you can't say on radio that goes along with messed up. Mm, I think you got it. <laughs> Steve Ballmer messed up Microsoft. Steve Ballmer looked at the iPhone and probably one, made one of the biggest mistakes in the history of technology and said, eh, I don't think people really want that. <laughs> Wrong. Microsoft could have been that. Now, I love Microsoft's new CEO. And off goes Steve Ballmer to run the LA Clippers in the ground. If he could ruin Microsoft, he could ruin the LA Clippers is my best guess. I know nothing about basketball, so please don't hold that against me. But now we're going to start talking about Jeff Bezos as he kind of leaves the big company and he goes off to explore space. He goes off to maybe fund some new companies, maybe, I don't know. But we're going to start, we're going to hear the name Andy Jacey a lot. Is he the same CEO that Jeff Bezos was? I don't know. Time will tell. Success or failure starts at the top of all organizations. San Jose Sharks, they need to fire their CEO. Whoever's running that business, they need to go. They need to get, clean the general manager. They need to clean the coaches. They've been playing hockey for over 30 years, I think, without winning a Stanley Cup. With barely able to, to smell it. Success or failure starts at the top. Doug Wilson must go. I know you're saying, you're calling on... The idea of firing someone, I, I'm really not. That's not my business. I'm, it's not my job to get someone fired. But I'm just trying to give you a relatable of success or failure starts at top. The 49ers won Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Why? Because they had good management. We don't know anymore about Amazon, do we? So one of the hot areas of contention on Wall Street right now, earlier in the show, I was talking about how real estate values. I bought a house, listen to this. I wish I was lying to you. Four years ago, it was an escape house for me. It was, I wanna teach my kids how to ski. 
I, I think skiing is a great networking tool that I wish I was better at because in college, when my friends would go off on ski weekends, I grew up overseas where there was no snow. I grew up in like Turkey in Greece where you didn't go to ski slopes. I don't know why, but we didn't. Germany, I, I guess the military families aren't big skiers for whatever reason. But um, where do I go with this? Um, so I bought this house four years ago and I looked at the price that I could sell it for today. It's up 50%. That's ridiculous. When I bought the home that I'm living in now for 13 years ago, in five years, it doubled. In the last five years, it really hasn't done much. That's ridiculous. Now there's a big talk on Wall Street about a housing bubble 2.0. I don't really know why I said 2.0. Stick with me for uno momento. Home prices are not in a bubble. It's not like people are collecting houses. These are first-time home buyers. The rise in prices was fueled by COVID, low interest rates, and most importantly, demographics. Are prices red hot? Yes. Is there a bubble that will pop? No. That's one person's opinion. It's not mine. I don't think we go to zero, which is one of the things a lot of people think of when they think of bubbles. If you have a bubble that's nice and beautiful and you pop it, it's, it lets all the air out of it. Buyers attempting to snag second homes and investment properties accounted for 14% of all purchase applications in February. Only 14%. Now, it totally makes sense that second home purchases are booming. People who can afford two properties have largely been unaffected by the last year, at least from a financial perspective. The people who are buying a second home will probably never go back to the office five days a week. So if you can work from anywhere, you might as well work from somewhere with a pretty view maybe even a pool or a hot tub. I feel that for first time home buyers who have been priced out of the market, um, and there are plenty of them, I look particularly at 70 million, million millennials and only 48% of them own a home. My generation, Generation X, 69% of us own homes. Rising interest rates, which is where we're going to go for some period of time, we're not going to be on record low interest rates of under 1%, mortgages under 3% for very long, will hurt the affordability of how much you can buy. In the end, you and your girlfriend, you and your husband, you and your boyfriend, whatever, you go to work, you punch the clock, five days later, you punch out, you get a paycheck. You know that, let's say you make 10,000 a month between the two of you, so you're like, I, I think I've heard you could put 30% of your money, your income into a house, that 10,000 equals 3,000, that's what you can afford. Because you still have to get food, you still have to get cars, you still have to get vacations in, you still have to get clothes on your body. Higher interest rates means you could afford less home. So a lot of people right now are talking about a housing crash. And I don't think we should use the word crash. I think we should, have you ever like had a kickball or a basketball that you had in the backyard and you haven't touched it for like three or four months and it's lost the pressure in it and it kind of looks like a, 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 like a dried out apple or something like that, kind of scrunchy. I think that's how I would describe housing bubbles. And it's probably how I would also describe like big tech stocks right now. 
they've had an amazing run. What I said to start this segment was that I've owned a home for four years. It's gone up 40% or more in value of what I could sell it for. Now, again, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay. But two years from now, three years from now, if interest rates are at 4 or 5% on a mortgage, there'll be fewer buyers who can afford that because the millennials aren't getting pay raises at to the tune of an extra $100,000. Interesting. Do I think there's a bubble in housing? I don't like using the word bubble. My favorite bubble, do you know what it is? It's Mr. Bubble. God, I loved bubble baths as a kid. I, I don't know if that meant I had a feminine streak. I don't really know. But Mr. Bubble was awesome. He was also known as Koofy and as Mr. Giggles. He's a clown famous for blowing very big bubbles and performing with very large balloons in my mind. Um, and that's all I got for you. I don't think housing's in a bubble, but I think the amount of people who could afford will go down. Therefore, if I want to sell my house fast, I'm gonna have to lower my price in two or three years. The home that I've been living in for 12 plus years, the greatest appreciation has already happened. For it to go from 900,000 to 2 million, that was wonderful. For someone to afford a home, it's two and a half times your salary in theory. So you go out and do the math on a million dollar home What's your salary? Let's say you make 400,000, that's 800,000, two and a half times your salary is 1 million. So if you make $400,000 a year, financial models say you can afford a million dollar home. Now a $2 million home is $800,000 a year. And I ask you, how many people you know make 400,000? And then I ask you, how many people do you know make 800,000? And keep in mind the average home in Santa Barbara now goes for 3 million. How many people do you know make 1.2 million a year? There's a couple. There's no doubt about it. This is land of, of milk and honey. It's, it's land of plenty. But higher interest rates will mean you could afford less and less. Just talking you through it. I don't believe bubbles pop. I believe they lose pressure. They go sideways for a while. Maybe they'll make another move. I think that depends on interest rates, college graduations, college affordability. It's a pretty big picture thought. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Managing what you own, or maybe a better way of saying it, managing what you owe is just as important as managing what you own. I enjoy Amazon. I think it's kind of cool that I can get on there and get a microphone in one day, two days. And I don't have to go to a music store. I don't have to, like, trust the guy who works at a music store, like, this is the best microphone you can ever buy. I can just go with the reviews and go with a, the one that someone's bought 7,000 times. And they say four and a half stars, four stars. I changed the way I shopped because of Amazon, right? I used to go to the music store and say, hey, what's a good microphone? What's a good mic stand? And if I got a 16-year-old kid with pimples, he was the expert of the day. 
I, I may have won that one or I may have lost. But life has gotten way easier. Managing what you owe is just as important as managing what you own. I like that phrase. You know, I typically say, mm, try to come up with 20 memes or, or slang terms or 20 phrases um, to define your wealth strategy or your money strategy or your poverty strategy. You go poor for buying houses, getting divorces, buying cars. Those are the easiest ways to go poor. Those are the three trickiest things in the world. If I was really crazy and I wanted to write a book about a really crazy financial person, said crazy person would never let people into his home because it's a liability. I would never have a New Year's Eve party at my home where people got drunk and got in their cars and went home. I would never buy a dog. And again, I feel bad for these dogs. Like German Shepherds, I would never buy a German Shepherd. They're too territorial for me. They tend to bite the neighbors. I know you're saying, not a good German Shepherd. Good boy, good boy, good boy, go outside. Good boy, pee on the yard. Um, I would never, like breeds of dog. Like you, you get where I'm going out with this, right? I hope you do. Managing what you own is just as important as managing what you owe. Um, and the areas that we tend to get messed up with, cars, divorces, and houses. I've never seen anyone go bankrupt because they bought 100 shares of Amazon. And yet we look at the stock market and go, oh, it's a roller coaster. I've got a patio in my backyard right now where the cement's starting to pop a little bit because tree roots are under it. And I, I fear... I fear the day that a six-year-old child comes over and walks over that crack and falls down, smashes his head, and mom and dad sue. But I'm not going to write that character, but I kind of want some of those thoughts to go through your head on occasion. Um, one area that I absolutely hate, you know, I was talking earlier, that I once did a show called 100 Things Rob Black Hates, and I was going to do it in one hour. It took me two hours to do it. And it was things like Sarah Jessica Parker in her $400 Manola Blahnik shoes. What a bad idea. I'm not knocking Pelotons because there's that healthy aspect to it. I'm knocking 95% of people who buy Pelotons, and after two or three months, it's in their garage collecting dust. Managing what you own, just as important as managing what you owe. Watch out for the big ticket purchases in life. Revenue of vitamins and nutritional supplements in the United States. How much do you think we spent? Just go with us for a second. In 2019, 2019, I think is probably the most fair year to use right now because the pandemic kind of changed things a little bit. In 2019, we spent $32 billion as a nation on vitamins for something that gives you gloriously, wonderfully colored urine. There is no medical evidence that you absorb vitamins, none. And yet we're like, well, I could eat spinach or I could take this vitamin B12 supplement. I'm not knocking the B12 supplement, but I think life would be a lot cheaper if you went with the spinach. Managing, like, do you see where I'm going with this? I've got a relative that the amount of crazy stuff he's put in his body, like cactus juice, which, again... I'm not judgy. It's just expensive. 
there has to be a better way of, of hydrating your body. It's something called water. But $31 billion, $32 billion. In the year before 2018, we spent $30 billion. So as a nation, we're spending more and more. That's incrementally 6% plus. That's too much. So again, take a look around, and I'm, I'm sure you can find things that you mismanage money on. Um, yesterday, I went to do something I haven't done in a long time. I went to a restaurant at one in the afternoon, sat at the bar and had a chicken sandwich. I've got my COVID shot, place is opening up. No one was within 20 feet of me. And I had a beer with my chicken sandwich and it was glorious. It was like, ah, and I, it, almost tearful. Um, there's a lot going on in the world right now with the Chauvin trial, with how many people are getting pricked in the arm with COVID vaccines and how many people are not. It's slowing down aggressively in the United States right now, month over month on shots. So I, we're not going to get to where we want to with the vaccine, in my opinion. I'm not going to get too negative. But at the end of my lunch yesterday, after one beer, I was like, I would like a second beer. And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, no, it's $7 for a beer here. And again, I have more than enough money to live till the day I die. And I was like, nope, not going to happen. Not going to have the, well, and keep in mind, I get up at three or four in the morning usually. So one o'clock is like my dinner, which is totally messed up, but that's how I roll. Anyway, um, take a look at what you spend money on. If I can go back to my 20s and there's nights where I had a $150 bar tab because I was buying friends alcohol and drinks, no, 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 no. We could get liquored up at my house and catch an Uber now. There weren't Ubers back then, so I'm thinking there was probably some drunk driving going on or some buzz driving. And that's a bad financial choice. Oh, very bad in the state of California. $10,000 to get a DUI, 20000 on a second DUI. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more.